Maybe. We'll let Grandma bring you over to your birthday party at Uncle Carolyn and Uncle Ray's house later. Yeah, we didn't want to repeat it the last time. Oh, don't be silly. We were going to replace that television anyway. No, no, no. Listen, everybody. Seriously, today's a special day. Let's not let McKenna ruin it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Saratoga Ballantyne. Hi, I'm Carl T. Wright. Hey, I'm Heather Tyler. Hi, I'm Colbert Alambert, and you're entering a world gone good. A world gone good. A world gone good. A world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we shine the light and sometimes find the light in the darkness to prove week in, week out, there is still good out there. This, my friends, is World Gone Good. And this is part two of a two-part extended episode. I had way too much good stuff to cram into one, so I made it into two. If you haven't listened yet to the first part, we highly recommend you hit the pause button here and go back one episode to last week and get caught up to speed. We spent some wonderfully good time with my friends Heather L. Tyler and Dylan Wittruck. You don't want to miss it, so go listen to part one. Then you'll be ready for part two, and it's going to be right here waiting for you. Ready, ready, ready. Okay, so today we are continuing our journey into the good of plays. Isn't it great that it's called a play? You get to play when you're in a play. I had to remind the cast and myself a few times during rehearsals in the run itself to play. At the top of the show, you heard a little snippet of playing in action from our closing night of Happy Birthday McKenna. This was my first new production in 19 years. I'm not going to lie. It was an awesome way to start the year, my year. Speaking for me here, (laughs) I got to do what I love and work with people that I have come to love equally. Some of those people I already knew. And others were introduced to me as part of the process. Carl T. Wright falls under the umbrella of one of the ones I already knew. He's not just a gifted actor. He's also my good friend, Wendy Miller's husband. Remember Wendy Miller from Sex Ed the Musical and more recently, Ask Your Gay BFF? And get this, he and she were also my former landlords. Here's Carl's good. Carl T. Wright, you and I have known each other. I don't know, longer than longer than I realize. Right. Because I think you knew me before I realized I knew you. So that's that's always the case. You you you're friends with my wife. And yes. my wife knows so many people yes. that I can never keep track of who I know. And she said, Well, you know him. And I go, <laughs> I do? Yes. Okay. Yes, I know him. Yes, of course I know him. Yes. Oh my God, your wife, she stalked me for the longest time. Like, want to move into my place? Want to move into my place? I got a place. You should move over to my place. <laughs> I was living over at my friend Dudley's and I kept turning her down because where I was working, Dudley was like, I could look out the window and literally I could walk to work if I wanted to. And I was like, thank you for the offer, Wendy, but <laughs> this is five feet away. Yeah. But then later I wound up moving in. Yep. And so you were our tenant for a while. Yeah. That was a crazy kind of Kramer Schneider life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were just we were on the other side of the bookcase from each other. Oh, I love that book, the magic bookcase. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if I've told you this, but last year I was kind of having epiphany moments and trying to figure out what do I want? What do I want? And I kind of had this 
meditation conversation with myself. I said, what do I want? I said, I want to, I want to do something where I work with my friends. I want to work with my friends and have fun. And, and, and I want to be in something where they write something for me. I mean, I think I've been working long enough. There's a, there's a Carl T. Wright feel, vibe. I want that. So fast forward to you call me and say you've written this piece and you want me to read for it. I said, yeah, sure. Okay. And then I hadn't, didn't think about it again. And then when you reached out again towards the end of the year, said, we're really doing this. Can you take a look at this? I said, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And then you said, I wrote this with you in mind. And I went, <laughs> what? Oh, that, that was it. That was, I just had to keep building it up. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Even then I was just like, okay, yeah. I'll do. I mean, I wanted to do it, but I wasn't really thinking about it in terms of like, wow, this is something I really asked for until you then said, and Michael Dempsey's going to be in it. And, you know, Mary Weiss is going to be in it. All these people, all my friends. And I said, wait a minute, these are my friends. Wait, wait a minute. I asked for this. So this show has been such a gift to me. Wow. It is exactly what I wanted. And I thank you for including me in this very personal story for you and, and seeing me in a part that wasn't necessarily written. I mean, the character's not a black man in real life, right? No, no. Who it's based on. Loosely yeah. based on. Loosely yeah. based on, yeah. So, I mean, to have seen me for this is just uh, is just a gift. And so I, I thank you for that. Oh, you are welcome. And, and you know from working with me that I... I get emotional when I talk about certain things. I lose my voice. I start, I'm an emotional guy. So like I'll be telling a piece of information, you know, about this show specifically and I get emotional because it's, Mm -hmm. it affected me and it went into the process of writing this. Right. But it was interesting with you because something I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, the lockdown and COVID changed that thing we're talking about. Right. It Mm -hmm. changed the getting together part. It changed the, Let's all put on a show part. Let's bring in an audience part. Let's all be uh, vulnerable together in the instance of what we want to put out there. But at the same time, let's all be vulnerable with a airborne murderous virus right, right. variant going around. What's it like to do like theater online compared to coming back and doing it live? And did you have any nerves about it in terms of getting back on a stage? trying to stay COVID free and just being present. I think had I not made that realization about this is something I asked for, I would have been a little more nervous. I was not nervous at all. And it was because I felt like this was meant to be. And my character has the, you know, wonderful opportunity to just sit in that chair and watch everybody go at it. And it is so much fun to that's that's how I connect. I'm like I'm really connecting. I'm really watching them and enjoying the show. And it's it's a it's really a testament to you and what you created that it is so real that we can drop in and drop out at the end of the day and come back and drop right back in and be there with each other because that's not easy to do. And it's a testament to you. I'm here to guide you. That's it. So yeah. I give you the credit for that because that that's a lot of what you did is really just embracing I'm going to be in this moment even if I don't get to say anything. 
Yeah. And, and I, when I read the script, I said, I understand what's going on here. And I, I understand my job. I'm, I'm living this, this history that these people are talking about on stage. I've got to sit there and live it, relive it and, and react to it. Because as we all know, acting is reacting. But in this particular show, acting is more than just reacting. It's connecting. We really have to connect in order for this to work. And, and because I could just sit there and listen and listen and listen. And here's my cue. And now I say this thing and everybody looks at me and we do our thing. But I did. It's funny. People told me quite a bit that they said, I was watching you the whole time. I just wanted to see what you were going to do. Right, right. And I'm not saying anything. And I was, I'm shocked. I'm, I, I'm not sitting there thinking, I wonder what people, if people are looking at me, I'm really connecting with these people and listening. And that's what good acting is, is listening, listening, and then having that listening affect you in some way. Now, I also threw another thing at you, which you commented on. I'm going to put you on the spot. Anyone listening to this, we rotated in. I had this brainiac idea of like, I love these two actors. I can't decide to give the part to. Who should I give it to? So I double cast. <laughs> double cast. Right. I quadruple cast one part, which is kind of like a, a guest star part. Yeah. Um, but you made a comment in rehearsal at one point where you said, either privately to me, or you might have done it in front of everybody. You said you had concern like, we need to focus on just one cast. Like I need to know how to play off of, you know what I mean? Of what's the energy mm-hmm. of just this cast. If we keep changing in and out the actors, it's too, you know, it's getting confusing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. but uh, my response to that was you just, what you just said, all you have to do is listen and respond. Yeah. I think, I think I do remember that. And when you said that, I said, okay, you know what? Right. I don't have to plan it. And that's what I liked about what, how you directed. And I've said this to other people afterwards. And I, I love the fact that in this show, unlike many other theater productions, um, it, those of you who aren't actors, you may not know, but when you do a play, you kind of get it to the point where you want it to be. And then you set it like, this is how we're going to do it. And everybody says their lines. You wait for your cue. If the cue is wrong, you're thrown off. Wait, what's, what was that? Something's not right. You wanted us to do things that were different. You wanted us to stay on our toes. Yeah. And and that is is a gift that y- y- sometimes the the directors will say, well, I you didn't say it the same way. I want you to say it this way. And I, I am I, I I met James Earl Jones many years ago, and he said my facility for acting is not so so. Uh, I'm not that much of an expert that I can do it the exact same way every time. Right. So he's he's always different. And when he said that, I said, okay, well, if James Earl Jones can do it differently, I'm going to do it differently. (laughs) If Simba's dad can do it, if Darth Vader, (laughs) you know, it's funny though, because I have to tell you, like um, a few of your fellow actors, and you know which ones who they are, I'm not going to shock you, we don't have to name them. They are very lock and block. They do it the same. They know it. They hit it. It's the same place, the same mark. And there was one night, I think it was on Saturday night, we had done the preview and the opening on Saturday night, I told everybody. Everyone in the circle of actors before we started tonight, everybody has to do a minimum one new thing, mm-hmm. maximum mm-hmm. three. And I'll tell you if I notice, but don't get set in it. You got to change it up. And it was funny because one actor got like really frustrated. His face, 
went bright red and he turned away from all of you for a second. And he walked away and came back. And I was like, oh, oh, are you – is it too hot? Is it too hot to think of something new? And then we all started laughing and he started laughing. And I even said, listen, if you're, fr- if you're scared right now because we're going up in 30 minutes and I'm asking you to change it up, ask me right now. I'll give you an idea. But mm-hmm. that's the thing is what you just said. It's got to stay fresh. And, and even if it's just taking a different – like you can't do it because of where you have to be on the stage. But if you take a different seat, if you do, you walk at a different time, if you just inf- change an inflection, that forces the other person in the next line. Oh, fuck. He said it differently than he normally says it. Now I have to respond. I can't just go back in the way I went in. Um, keeps it alive. Yes. Uh, the, the last time we did the show, I heard it differently at the end. I said, wait a minute. There's a completely different way to come at this. Yes. And I'm like, wow, well, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll try it this week. Who knows? I mean, it, it was less, um, there was less, it was less of a fight and more of a, this is my story and I'm going to tell you my story. Let me ask you this. Do you, is there a moment when you're in the rehearsal process where you're like, Okay, we're ready now. I feel like I'm ready for, to put it up. Or were you like, "Oh shit, I don't think we're ready to put this up in front of an audience." This particular show. I I think the the moment was after we put the book down, and we didn't have that as a crutch, and so we could keep going forward even if we didn't know the line. If we knew that we could trust each other to have each other's back to keep going forward, that's the moment that I knew that we could do this. There was a, there was a, a moment where somebody forgot something. And I think it was Carolyn. There was quite a few moments where somebody forgot yeah. something. You're being very kind. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but, but I'm, I'm thinking specifically. Right, right. It was like a, there was a big moment. And Heather, uh, Heather Tyler, I love her. Love, 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 love her. Just kind of stepped in and said something. And it was it was enough to get the person back into where they needed to go. And we just kept going forward. I'm like, this is the, the machine is working. Now. Yeah. The machine knows how to do what it needs to do. So, and yeah, there have been times I, I, I forgot something, uh, on Sunday. Yep. I didn't even, didn't even realize I'd forgotten it until somebody said something else. I said, oh, wait, yeah, I was supposed to say something there. There was supposed to say something oh, about right. a Tesla. There was something about right. a Tesla. I know which part. I'm, I, and but I'm having so much fun watching, them. right, right, and and that's that's the cool thing because I really was really in the moment, like, oh, this is a little bit different. Now I'm watching what's going on here, and then I just forgot to throw in my thing. But I gotta say, every you didn't miss it. No, you missed I, it. Oh, when I I made a note, don't you? It's coming out of your pay. <laughs> I um, I gotta tell you though, um, Stephanie and Kathleen on preview night and opening night, they both said to me, "You're not even," and I said, "It's I'm oddly calm." And for the first time ever, and I've done so many shows over the years, this is the first one I put up in 19 years, but I've been so many comedy shows, slideshow and 15 minutes of fam and all the things I've done in the past where I literally would be drenched in sweat under like the nicest shirt, guys. I have a really nice shirt on. I'd look like shit because I'd be sweating. I was just like, oh, here we go. Okay. And I would waltz backstage like, okay, five minutes, everybody. Okay, places. Oh, we're doing a little show. And I went because I really trusted all of you. You brought this up earlier about the the pandemic and not being able to connect and and hug people. I mean, I've I've developed this real um, 
passion and uh, ability to connect with people and hug people really well. And not to be able to do that for two years was really difficult. And, and now I got all these people that I get to hug and connect with and not just like physically, but, but their energy I get to connect with. And that is just such a charge. You just, I, I, I can't explain it to you. Like when you're at a party and everybody's laughing and you're all just getting the joke and the next person is adding on to your joke and the next person is adding on to your joke and you're all just like laughing hilariously. That's what it feels like when a play is running on full tilt. Like everybody is there together. We're, we've got the same rhythm. We're all feeling it. And that's what we get with this show. I, I, I'm, it, it's, it really is impressive. I, I have not seen anything on stage like that. I mean, it's, it's kind of like Hamilton without music. Wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. You just want to go to all the, you're, you're in for the off-Broadway show. You don't have to sell me this much. We're going, we're taking you with us. <laughs> Saratoga Ballantyne might be considered a showbiz kid or perhaps even the spawn. I say that nicely. The spawn of Hollywood royalty. I say that in the best way possible. She came into audition for the show and quickly became one of my favorite people ever. This is Sarah's good story. Miss Sarah, a.k.a. Saratoga, how did we meet? (laughs) We met uh, actually through an audition for your wonderful play, Happy Birthday McKenna. I came in. Uh, right from just having completed uh, the role of the, the the iconic role of the mother of Little Red Riding Hood in Little Red Riding Hood. And I ran, ran, ran to the Hudson Theater to be able to audition for you. It was a callback, actually. And that's where we met. Although I did feel like I knew you because there was something very familial about you. Hmm. Maybe I was that guy outside your window at night. Hello? Um, (laughs) Possibly. But no, you just, you were very, uh, hey, Michelle, you know, just, you you just seemed like someone either I should know or have known. It was just very comfortable. It was very comfortable, that audition. And and there were no nerves. There was no weirdness. Also, because of the running and the racing, there was no time, you know. So it it was good. It was very, it was very um, mellow and lovely. It was very interesting, too, because we got your tape and we loved your tape, but then we didn't know if we were going to get to see you or not. And I'm not going to lie to you. There was another actress who was in the running for this part who was like neck and neck, and she came in and she came to the callback and she was equally fabulous, right? And then we didn't know if you were coming or not. I didn't think you were coming. And then Victoria's like, Sarah's here. And I'm like, oh, oh, she made it. Oh, good. And then you like came rushing in, like out of breath, like, ah, I made it across town. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so glad you did because not like, not like there's a bias, but you know that like the in-person thing really helps as compared to the tape thing. So I wanted to ask you about that. Like, like. What's that experience like? Because I'm sure you did many years of in-person and then it shifted to these, you know, put yourself on tape. Oh, none of, none of us actors. The, the only good thing about it, I mean, I, well, let me finish that sentence. None of the actors that I know were happy about this, not going in person. However, what 
what it did afford one was the opportunity to do as many takes as you'll want to in your house until you're really satisfied. Now, you know, I'm the type that's never satisfied, so that's tough. But but it, rather than having one chance, you know, you you run across town and you have your one chance to be on, on tape for the director or what have you, uh, this gave you the opportunity to be in your house and take as much time as you want to really get your your performance to the level. Now you had to have all this technical baloney skill that you had to have, but the good side, the upside was that you got many opportunities to do it better. Now you have a very interesting background because your dad was, would you call your dad a a personality? Would your dad be an entertainer? Was your dad a comedian, a magician, all of the above? (laughs) What, 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 What do you see him as? He became he became an actor from being a magician. His magic act, which was a very funny comedy act, was called The Amazing Ballantine. And he developed this act uh, really out of having to support his family. He wanted to be a straight magician and do real magic, but something screwed up. The, the lore is something messed up one night and the club owner said, hey, you were pretty funny uh, with that ad lib. You know, something hadn't worked. And so he started developing more comedy. And through that act, he got acting auditions because he was such a fun personality and a unique personality and all of that. But he was a very skilled magician who got his um, claim to fame by doing this this cocked up act where things didn't work. And uh, even the magicians loved him because they appreciated that he really knew magic and was clever enough to do some spoofing of it, you know, like... Someone said to me once, well, why don't you do your dad's act? He didn't do any magic. I go, do you know how hard that act is? That that act is all setups and you have to be very skillful. Just like you have to, it's hard to be a bad actor if you're supposed to be playing a bad actor. You know, it's not easy to do it. You have to know what you're doing to know how to screw it up. So he he was, he became an actor from the act and performing live for many, many years. And when he started getting auditions as an actor, and, and he tells, I made a documentary, Steve, and he makes some funny remarks about his early days of getting acting auditions. And he um, he got called into Louis B. Mayer's office because he wanted to be a movie star. My dad ultimately did um, want that. So Louis B. Mayer, you know, said, I saw your act. And if ever we need a guy to throw stuff all over the stage, we'll call you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because they got no imagination then, and and maybe a little more now. I shouldn't be, you know, I don't want to be putting down the studio heads now. But um, they had no imagination. They couldn't imagine what kind of parts he could play from the act that he did. But, um, oh, he was like, you know, I love my dad to pieces. I was a real daddy's girl. And um, I just, I loved his uh, his take on it all, his point of view on it all. And uh, I did, I did inherit a lot of his uh, wisdom and a lot of his uh, sarcasm <laughs> and a lot of his humor and many, many other things. But um, yeah, he, he, I would say all the things you mentioned are all the things he was. And, uh, and then getting Mikhail's Navy, the series is what brought us to California, or I would have been in New York and hopefully, you know, gotten a Broadway show and had a very different life, but that's okay. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you want to be in showbiz from the beginning? Did you want to be a performer? Do you have siblings as well who are performers? I have a sister um, who's a beautiful girl, very, very successful. No interest in being a performer. She's nine years younger. Um, 
but no, uh, my mother was also a cabaret performer in, in, you know, I was born in New York city. Um, she worked for a fellow named Julius Monk at the upstairs at the downstairs club for 12 years. And she, um, was very well known in the cabaret world and in and, and that circuit. She's funny. She sang. Um, the upstairs at the downstairs spawned many stars like Lily Tomlin and Madeline Kahn and many other people. If you look it up, it's a it was a wonderful time in New York City, the time of the cabaret, um, the on team boite, as they called it. There was the Blue Angel and the Ruban Blue and the, you know, Tammy Grimes and Noel Coward and all these people. Um, Oh God, my mother had such incredible stories. The Kennedys would come. You know, it was it was the chic place to go to have sophisticated supper club entertainment. And we really don't have anything like that now, although they try, you know, in dribs and drabs. But it was like the the mid to late 50s, early 60s um, was the heyday of the cabaret. When you get a script and you know you're gonna have to audition, <laughs> yes. um, there's a difference between getting the full script and getting what we call sides, which is a couple pages. In the case of this show we just did together, I don't remember. Did you get the full script or did you just get the sides? Well, Victoria, the casting lady, who is a fa fabulous person and an old, old, old friend from actress days, audition days, she sent the full script with the sides. However, I neglected to read the full script. <laughs> um, I looked at the sides and I thought, I'll never get this, but I'm going to have so much fun working on this. So I just literally did the monologue, you know, Lucille's monologue for my audition without having read the rest of the play. Now, when I got the call back, I thought, geez, I better read the rest of the play. Because, uh, you know, in my mind, I thought, well, you know, I'm too young for this, but I'll audition because I love the character so much. So that's that's how it went for me. Why did you think you weren't going to get it? Was it the age thing? Yeah, I thought I was too young. Yeah. And um, and I and I looked at the ages of well, you didn't even have ages, really. Oh, yeah, you did. You did have ages in the breakdown. I think Lucille was listed as 60s, 70s. And I'm, you know, 60. But I just thought, you know, I don't play that. I'm, you know, we're all delusional. I believe me. I, <laughs> I, I, I say to my girlfriends, I said, we're at that age where we all think we, we look young for our age. You know, it's like, it's come on. But the times have changed and people take better care of themselves. There's better skincare. There's better lighting. Uh, we're eating better. We exercise. So, you know, what 70 was for our mother's era is very different now. You know how people look if they've taken care of themselves. It's just, you know, different. Right. And there's also, unfortunately, there's that stigma that Hollywood has put, especially on women, where it's like, oh, you're 28. We'll see you in 25 years and you can play, you know, you can audition for Mrs. Santa Claus. Like that's basically what happens. It's like you hit this dead zone. And 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 it wasn't always that way, you know. Um, it seems to have shifted to that way. But in this show, it was interesting because I shifted everybody's ages kind of down and closer together. Um, and it, for the reasons you just said, you know, Carl, who played Martin, he's 61. And right. in the script, he was supposed to have a 75th, 75th birthday. Right. Right. But I also knew, look, we we did audition. Gosh, we auditioned one man who was in his 80s. He was very good, but he was clearly in his 80s. And I thinking like, oh, my God, I would have to cast someone else to play opposite, 
you know, close to the late seventies, but then all the kids, it wouldn't make sense. It, they'd have mm. to be 10 years older themselves. Like it messed up the whole, you know, we sort of just played with the ages on everybody. So it's interesting that, that you thought that way. I apologize to you because you and Carl both were so fucking good from the beginning, from the get go that you kind of got, um, it's that kind of thing like where you're the A plus student and we don't pay as much attention to you than my D's and F students. Right, and, right. And I felt bad at one point because I was like, oh my God, but you were so dead on there from the beginning that both you and Carl, it was like, it was a pleasure. So I didn't, I felt bad that I was like, oh, I'm not giving them enough energy. And you and I, of course, we had a few one-on-ones. We had a few with Carl. We did some Zooms. Right. But like, right. I, I didn't want you to feel like I wasn't giving you the attention that you deserved. But for me... Having to play puppet master to 10 actors with 10 different languages and 10 <laughs> different insights and 10 different, like, you are the type of actress. You'll go anywhere, go anything, do anything. You're just, like, game for anything. I'm and game, yes. there are other people we work with who are like, well, wait, explain it to me first. Why am I mm. doing this? You know, mm. And, mm. and so I wanted to ask you that is, like, do you feel that way all the time? Are, are you the type of person that goes in and, like, you know – comes in with ideas and also like, you want me to, you know, hang from the ceiling? Sure, I'll hang from the ceiling. Do you just sort of throw it out there? I do. I think that's a that's a, one of my good qualities. I, I do it in relationships too, Steve, where it might not be the best quality. But when it comes to work, well, once I've been accepted, you know what I mean? It's the audition process where you're you're wondering and hoping and this and that. But once you, you're in, you feel um, a freedom to at least try and it was weird, actually, to me in the beginning. And I thought, am I just so off that he doesn't know how to approach me about anything? And then when it turned and it started to feel like, oh, we're in the ballpark. We're doing this right. The first time I did the monologue and you said to me, um, you're going to move all over. You're going to talk to everybody. And I thought, how the hell am I going to do that? But then it became the most natural, the most right thing to do. Um, yeah, no, I listen, I had to walk a tightrope once in a show. Um, they asked me if I would learn. I said, sure. You know, I didn't have to go too high, but still you could kill yourself, even if it's five feet off the ground, you know, but I, you know, I do, I, I will try if I get, if I'm accepted, I give it my all. Absolutely. I've always been an in the moment kind of person. What I appreciate about you, what I appreciate about the entire team, but especially about you too, is like, how in the moment you stayed at all times and yet you found you, you know, the, you can tell everybody, I mean, how many times did I say, okay, <laughs> acting 101, what did I keep saying? Listen, Listen. and respond. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And yeah. what do you want and how far are you willing to go get it? That's the simplicity of acting. Right. And, and, and so it always just amazed me is like we had a few of those what I call clunky nights. And we had one just this past Friday that was just sort of like that pull, push. Am I talking? Are you talking? Is the audience laughing? But then I reminded all of you, hey, let them laugh yeah, and yeah. ride the wave. And then Saturday night, I will say it, Saturday night was the best show you all ever had. Sunday was equally good, but not like Saturday night. Saturday, no, Saturday night was just the perfect, ba everything was so balanced. And um People really listened. I heard things that I hadn't really heard before. Um, it just, it, it was beautiful. It was just a beautiful thing. <laughs>
do you get so into it that you don't even realize some of the things you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You just, um, oh, yeah, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot sometimes because you're really involved. I mean, I think it's a great thing. It's it's not craft or technique, but it is human and great when it happens. I'm always so in awe of actors who do television, film, smaller web projects like I've done because it's like so much of it is like, okay, you know, it's <laughs> it's like you look at their script and like there's all these different color tabs or the pages are folded over a certain way and they know all their lines, but they're like, wait, what day am I on? Wait, is she, does she have the right costume mm-hmm. on? Right. Or, did, did she lose the baby yet? Like, right. has the guy been gut? <laughs> did she murder the person yet? Like, and you have to figure out all that. So that to me is the great thing about theater. The other great thing about theater to me is the one-on-one live, turn your fucking phones off. Yeah. Yeah. Just this is live a- in the moment and go on the ride with us. Yes. For an hour this. 20. Mm-hmm. Be in this time with us right now. It's so, and to hear laughs, you know, like we got the kind of laughs we got, the the rolling laughs, the stop the show laughs, the applause. I mean, it's very satisfying. <laughs> it is. And you don't, you don't get that so much from film unless you're, you know, in the theater having it all been done and you get to hear that. But, you know, when you're doing it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I agree. It, there's just nothing like it. It's just, it's almost like our church or something. I saw Colbert Allenberg's 8x10 submission and I said, that's Parker right there. (laughs) And he more than just looked the part. He embraced it. Colbert Allenberg, how did we meet? We met at an audition, an audition for the lovely play Happy Birthday McKenna, and the rest was history. (laughs) (laughs) How did you hear about the show? I actually heard about it through a breakdown that I saw on Actors Access, and a friend of mine or someone that I know in the industry who's called me in for other auditions, Victoria Hoffman, who was the casting director for this play, she called me in. And when I went in, to my surprise, I read for not one, but two roles. I read for the role of Parker and for the role of Ed. Ready. <laughs> did you have all the sides? I mean, did you have the, all the sides to both parts? And did you have the full script? Or what did you have when you came in? When I came in, I only had the sides for Parker. That's the one that I had prepared for. That's the one that I could have sworn that I was going to get, you know, to audition for, which I did. But then to my surprise, when I showed up, uh, she told me, oh, the director not only wants you to read for Parker, he also wants you to read for Ed. Did you get the sides? And I said, uh, no, and it probably went to my junk mail, which, of course, sure enough, it did. And then she said, don't worry, take your time. You know, we'll give you some time. We'll bring you in for Parker. And then, you know, step aside or step outside and then, you know, just go over the sides for Ed. And whenever you're ready, then we'll bring you back in. And that's what I did, you know, live with an actor. Sometimes they, you know. God gives you lemons, you make lemonade. <laughs> Do you panic in situations like that at all when you're just like, oh shit, there's a change up? No, not at all. I, I'm used to it. I think that it comes with the territory. For me, it's actually a, a nice challenge because I get to do something that 
I definitely would have less, I try my best not to have any preconceived notions, no matter how long I have to prepare for a role for an audition. But when it's just thrown at you like that, you literally have very little time to have any preconceived notions whatsoever. So having said that, for me, it's, it's a, a very good, interesting challenge, uh, you know, to step up to the plate, rise to the occasion, and just give it my best shot. And I absolutely, I actually, you know, I, I, I thrill, I'm thrilled to do something like that. I thrive on that. So, yes, I was not nervous at all. When we were working together early on, you made a very, um, uh, what word do I want to use? You made a very specific <laughs> request to me, which is you didn't want to be a stereotype. Correct. And why, why did that come up for you? Was it, in, was it something that you've experienced before or is it like something you just don't want to be in your life or is it something you saw in the words? Like what, why did that come up for you? Sometimes, you know, not always, but sometimes you can find yourself pigeonholed into a caricature more than anything. And I, as an actor, have always wanted to not only push myself to the limit, but also to really portray characters that are three-dimensional, three that have layers, that have depth. Not necessarily that it has to be a cathartic experience, a woe is me or anything like that, but something that's more... I would say, fulfilling in that aspect, and that is closer to real life. And, of course, for me, on a personal note, as an openly gay actor, it's something that I always try to deviate from because, as you just mentioned in your question, it is something that I've come across sometimes where they just want to put in a filler, basically, a token character. And not just for, you know, having to do with characters about their sexuality, but it could be actors about, you know, having to do with your ethnicity or with gender or with you know, certain demographics or whatnot, nationality or whatever. So that is always something that I've always had in the back of my, you know, at the forefront of my artistic pursuit when it comes to portraying characters that I find not just fascinating to, uh, to see as an audience member, but also even more fascinating for me to portray and to work with and to really delve into as an actor, as a performer. It's interesting because it's right there at the beginning when Parker enters within a page and a half uh, <laughs> of him being on stage, his brother-in-law makes a comment that he's apparently made a million times where he doesn't know Parker's ethnicity or he's perhaps been told it, but he hasn't listened. Right. Did you, did you relate to that? Did you find comedy in that? Were you, in, were you like oh, offended by it when you read it? Oh, totally. No, when I read it, I was like, Thank you, Steve, because this was definitely something that definitely, you know, uh, struck a chord with me in a good way, because it's something that I can totally relate to, you know, because of my particular looks and the way I sound and how I come across and everything. I'm not one of those, A, I'm not one of those actresses usually what's called the bookend that you would automatically look at and you're like, you know, this person is like total, you know, cop or, you know, like, uh, you know, ex-convict or this or that, you know. And on top of that, me as a person, it's one of those things where constantly, but especially in the casting world, you know, in entertainment, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, like, where is he from? We can't quite place him. Which, in a way, in the beginning, you would think that it's flattering because it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's so ambiguous and it's so nice. But at the same time, it seems to me that it's like the first thing that comes to mind is trying to define me or trying to pretty much have a placement for me, which sometimes it's nice, but sometimes it's like, I'm just a human being, you know? Right. So it's like, 
and, and, and we all, especially in this day and age, when you have so many different cultures and ethnicities and races mixing and whatnot, you know, we all come in all different types of, you know, shapes and forms and, and varieties to the point where it's, uh, it's one of those things where I feel that we just need to embrace. And it shouldn't be one of those things where unless you can quite pinpoint where this person is from or where you think this person is from, that it's going to make it perhaps easier for you to relate for lack of better words and so when i read that about parker i was like yep i've been there done that and i can definitely identify with it and relate to it here's a general question that we sometimes ask i've asked of everybody so far is what is good about theater oh what is good about theater so many amazing things about theater so many um fascinating qualities about it but i would say the one good thing about theater is that you really get a chance to connect with people. And for me, now more than ever, I mean, we've been through a pandemic and it's been, you know, what, three years since the whole outbreak of, you know, <laughs> COVID-19 and whatnot. But it was just one of those things where now more than ever, where we're still kind of sort of trying to get acclimated to a post-COVID world, having that sense of connection, having that sense of unity with an audience and having that sense of a symbiotic relationship with them, it really was a very thrilling experience. It was a very humbling and fulfilling experience, to say the least. And just to be able to have an audience that can react, you know, and, and, and that laughs, you know, at, at your jokes, you know, whatever you make an attempt at it, at, you know, just telling the truth. Or that can really be touched by, you know, um, something that is touching and, and very meaningful to the characters it makes theater that much more meaningful. And so for me, it's definitely one of those platforms that I absolutely thoroughly enjoy. We wrap up our shows with two questions and Heather L. Tyler joins Carl, Sarah, and Colbert to answer them. First up, who inspires you? Who inspires me? My son inspires me. He's five, but even when he was younger, he has this innate curiosity that is just infectious to watch. And he's joyous and he's learning and processing in real time. And he's inspiring because he reminds me that I can do all those things too. And that I instinctively did those things and have come to where I am so I can do those things again and they will help me in life and in my career. My child, my child, my child. My child, Addie, is an amazing, smart, funny, uh, compassionate, and um, uh, genuine person who teaches me back the things that I taught her. And that's when I know I, I think I did okay. Because she says things to me, and then I know she got that for me, because I told her that that's how we should treat people. And she, every, everyone has a place in her world, and I love that. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I'd have to say my parents. Um, my mother was very funny, very talented singer, comedian. And people have said at the play that I reminded them of my mother, who knew her and who knew her work. Um, and I guess that's still an inspiration. And in terms of like performers, 
it's really been the same since I was a little girl. I loved Marilyn Monroe and Edie Adams. And I loved, you know, that kind of tongue in cheek, sexy, funny, you know, Judy Holiday. Uh, you know, I live on Turner Classic Movies, Steve. That's really in my spare time. That's all I do to watch them. Um, you know, it's like my Auntie Mame is all these people who've taken me on this journey. And I'm inspired by them. And I'm inspired just by wanting to do good work and make people laugh. I, I really do like to make people laugh. I would say my mother, she definitely is a great source of inspiration for me, which is funny because when I hear that question, who inspires me, which is to me similar to the question that sometimes I get as far as who's your role model, and, and I can't really think of one particular individual. There are a lot of actors that I look up to for various different reasons, and I learn from everyone, and not just the remarkable celebrities and the ones that have left a staple in the community, whether it be in Hollywood or Broadway or whatever, but also for my fellow peers, even from actors that I worked on in this very same production, Happy Birthday McKenna, that I learned so much from. So I would say that I personally don't happen to have a particular specific role model per se, but the closest, at least in the artistic professional world, but the closest person who could come to that, I would say would be my mother, because she's always given me her constant unwavering support and she's always been someone that who she's always been someone who has led by example a hard-working woman uh, a mother who just did her best and provided for her family someone who definitely lives by the example of doing unto others as you would like them you know to yourself so for for that and many other reasons i i, I would definitely say that she is uh, she's someone who inspires me a lot she's my source of inspiration indeed I love her. <laughs> and the final question is a question that is not even a question. It's a statement to finish. It can go back to anything we talked about or anything you want to say. It's really simple. Tell me something good. Oh, tell me something good. I know. I always Don't say, I me. can't afford it. Don't say too much. <laughs> um. Tell you something good. I'm going to filter out my propensity of negative thoughts first and get rid of those. Let those go. Let those go. Tell you something good. Um, look, it's it's raining and I love rain. We have needed water for so long. <laughs> and look, we have water. And I'm going to think about the good things that this water is bringing. So I am happy that. It has been raining, that it's raining today, and that tomorrow the sun is coming out again. I'll tell you something good. This is going to be a good year. And it started with this show. And I am eternally grateful to you for sharing your story and including me in your story. So I've made a new friend and we're better friends now because of this show. So thank you. That's something good. I know. I feel like we're better friends than me and your wife. And I think I'm better friends with you than you are with your own wife. I feel like we're closer now. Well, she even said that. Well, <laughs> Steve's your friend. I said, well, no, he, he knows you first. <laughs> oh, really? I'm like, what are you talking about? Of course he does. So 
Yeah. I, that's what theater does. Yeah. You spend all this time making connections with people and it's, it's pretty great. So thank you. Thank you. Tell you something good. Well, since we're talking about something that's related, related to the arts, I am about to head over to Atlanta probably on Monday for a shoot that I am doing at Tyler Perry Studios for the show Young Villain, where I will, be, I will be playing a guest star role for on Wednesday and Thursday. And I am definitely looking forward to that because it's my first guest star role ever. So I'm very excited about that. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. <laughs> looking forward to it. Something good is that every day we get to wake up alive and put our very best selves forward to do whatever good there is in this world. To make someone's life a little easier, to make someone feel a little better, to help lift somebody else up every day. We have that chance as long as we're alive and we need to do it. We need to remember that. Thank you, Heather, Dylan, Colbert, Carl, and Sarah for sharing your good. And you know what? Thank you to the entire team from Happy Birthday McKenna and all the audience that came out to see it. You really, really, really made me proud. And um, all I can think now is I want birthday cake. Next time on World Gone Good. I've been, like I said, born into a rescue household. I was always like volunteering with doggies. When I was an adult, I started working in um, shelters in New York City. So I was just always involved in rescue. I, no matter what else I do, and I've done some crazy things. Like I've had other full careers, um, but no matter what I do, the dogs always find me. My friend Amy and I were walking to brunch in Larchmont when we stumbled across a pet adoption. And you don't want me anywhere near a pet adoption. I'll take too many home. And that's where I met the incredibly good Ricky Tice from Samson Sanctuary. We're talking the good of fostering and rescuing dogs. One of my favorite topics. Indeed, I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, be good.